Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. I believe this is episode 20, but we're joined here by my guy, Rome. He is a passionate Lakers fan, also a member of one of the biggest Twitter spaces out there right now with coaches Dan, Rome. Say hello to the people, man. Yo, hey, first of all, bro, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. You know, thank you for having me. Uh, hey, man, me and Gifted go way back. So, you know, this is just... This is just shooting it up with one of my boys. So, like, hey, I'm happy to be here. Seriously, happy to be here. Appreciate it. We're officially here today <laughs> to discuss your team, the Los Angeles Lakers, a team that pisses off a lot of people, a team that makes a lot of people happy. I got to get your perspective from the very beginning in the offseason days before 2023 even started. What were your expectations coming into the season? So, coming into the season... Um, I mean, just based off of everything that was happening, we're talking about last year, correct? Yeah. So basically, you know, um, there was a lot of noise around, obviously, the Kyrie Irving saga, you know, that went on throughout the entirety of the summer. Um, we just came off missing the playoffs, didn't even, didn't even make the play-in. So that, I think that was something that was like uh, very jarring. A lot, of, a lot of Laker fans call that the most disappointing season in Laker history and if you think about that like that's a lot like to come from like before LeBron James was even on this team like we were a lottery team every year we were always in rebuild you know post Kobe so it was one of those things where for that to be the most disappointing like season ever as a Laker fan you know I think that was something that kind of it kind of rubbed everybody the wrong way and, and I think that um going into the season we were kind of all just on pins and needles about what was going to happen between Russell Westbrook. Are we going to trade him? Are we going to go get Kyrie Irving? Um, and so our summer was kind of in limbo and uh, it was very, very stressful time, um, a very, very chaotic time. Uh, but based off the moves, if we're going to go off what happened, you know, whether, you know, you want to talk about Lonnie Walker being our biggest signing, um, trading Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson for, uh, Patrick Beverly, who ended up being a starter for the team, um, having a plethora of guards and still signing Dennis Schroeder, um, you know, Kendrick Nunn's, his redemption season that was supposed to happen. That didn't happen. Like there were so many, you know, little storylines here and there, but, um, I think one of the things that a lot of Laker fans kind of felt was this isn't a championship team, right? And, you know, Laker Laker fandom is like championship or bust every year, like every year, especially, you know, when you when you when you double the fact that like LeBron James is now on this team as well. And, you know, it's just like the one of the biggest sports teams heavy expectations in the world in, in LeBron James. And you put that together and it's like, yeah, we got to win a championship every single year. Right. So um, I think the Kyrie stuff kind of settled down and obviously didn't happen and then there was a quick moment where you know people were dangling um Miles Turner and and Buddy Hill together so it was one of those things where it was like okay well is this gonna happen so um yeah we, we were on pins and needles for for most of most of last year but the prediction was like maybe we can make the playoffs it was definitely was a championship it was like maybe we'll make the play in you know it was kind of it was rocky man it was rocky so for sure i think that's where it kind of comes to yeah i gotta add on here so so like i'm not gonna have any revisionist history at all because i literally remember the conversations and how things were initially when westbrook signed to la i yeah. put on my basketball brain i'm like okay bet 
Russ <laughs> sets off-ball screens. LeBron and Russ can be in the post a bit more. Anthony Davis can be the ultimate off-ball player. He's going to be the bridge between LeBron and Russ, and they're going to make things work. And instead, we saw three-guard lineups. We saw players in and out of the rotation, and Westbrook really regressed as a jump shooter. I feel like he lost a lot of his confidence both on and off the court because, as you yeah. said, to play for the Lakers, it's expectations yeah. every year. It's the loudest fan base in the nba and the smaller things that you do get highlighted under a fine microscope so coming into 2023 what i vividly remember was like the summer league like like seeing russ show up not really be with the team with like bron and anthony david and like team saying what's gonna happen is he gone is he not like us not knowing that and then coming in and I haven't been on Twitter for like a, a super long time, you know, as yeah, you know. Yeah. But those yeah. first 10 games feel like the most toxic thing ever. Can you walk me through how those first 10 games felt? Ah, man. Um, I think it was weird because there was a section of, of the fan base that was like, dude, this will work, right? Like, this will work. Like, I think when you go back the year before um, in 2022, it was LeBron James missed a ton of time. Anthony Davis, I think, missed like half the season. Um, yeah. I think LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook played a combined like 20 games, 21, 22 games together. So I think there was a segment of like the fan base that was kind of like, you know what, let's see it through. Um, they haven't had enough time to really mesh and, and, you know, get to know each other's strengths, weaknesses and play alongside each other and play off each other. And, you know, I think that was the that was the hope, right? That was the silver lining that like going into the season, this was going to be a thing where, OK, well, now, um, you know, they they have they have a full season. They're healthy. This will work. Right. Um, and as soon as the season happened, as soon as we started losing games, as soon as we start 0 and 5. Um, clearly, clearly, I think the, the people that didn't feel that way were vindicated because it was like, dude, see, you know, like we're, we, this is, this is why we were waiting for Kyrie Irving. This is why we were considering Buddy Hield and, and Miles Turner, because it's like, this was, this was the worst case scenario, you know, and it started to happen. And, um, it was, man, it was tough. Like that, I think throughout our first 12 games, we were, I think we were two and 10 and like, you got to remember, like we like just because of the Anthony Davis trade, we didn't even have a pick. Like, we didn't think we were going to have that pick. Because, I mean, if you remember during that time, the Pelicans were, like, the one seed. Like, they were, like, one of the better teams Bro, in the Western Conference. Bro, it was narratives about them getting y'all pick and drafting Wemby with y'all pick. Yes, I remember yes. the days, bro. Yeah. That was a real, like, that was a real worry. And, like, it became, it got to the point where, you know, the trade, like, stuff was like, yo, maybe we should just make a trade early just so they don't get our pick. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was, it was stressful. But yeah, those those first, the first ten, to, I'll say twelve, because I mean everyone talks about the two and ten. We won a game, and then we went on another five game losing streak after. So it was like definitely, you know, it was like oh maybe we could turn the corner, and then we just kept losing again. So um, it was rough, man. It was it was super rough. It was super divided. Um, you could just kind of tell. Uh, and also, you know, uh, one of the one of the things that doesn't really get talked about a lot is like Anthony Davis and LeBron James, like. They weren't playing, you know what I'm saying? They weren't playing very well. Like it wasn't, it was also, you know, a part of that where like it just, it didn't look the same, you know? So there's a lot of narratives about that. If you remember. Bro, there, there's like so many things that I have written down. So, so like the number one play I remember from the 10 game stretch 
the game versus Portland where at the end Rust takes the like two for one opportunity pull up or whatever like, like oh the pain yeah. of that moment like I personally felt like okay from a basketball sense is it the best fit no right I didn't think it was like a natural fit but I did think okay there are steps that can be taken from basketball sense using these guys as screeners divers all this stuff and I felt like Russ could really unlock Anthony Davis a lot in terms of like his playmaking and getting him involved. And Russ, yeah. for all his faults, was able to do that. But yeah. the way the yeah. team looked, like I kept saying, people want to individually blame Russ. And I get the dumb things he did sometimes, yes. But the roster as a whole around him as well, on top of his flaws, it was looking very, very rough. Like, obviously, the ball should be in LeBron James' hands a bit more. But as you said, the way LeBron started out the season, he wasn't that great. And the energy, like, watching the team, it just felt, like, very, very tense. Russ yeah. seemed really checked out. But, like, coming in through those first 10, it was so much division. Like, <laughs> to your point, you had LeBron James fans saying, we not taking this. LeBron's our player. We're supposed to win every year. You had diehard um, LA fans saying, blow the team up. We should have never made the Anthony Davis trade in the first place. Yeah. Craziness, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And then you had the Russ fans who, like, had to fight for their life every single day. It every was, game. Every game, bro. Every, every you know, yes. every possession. Every possession. Every, every possession. possession. <laughs> every possession. <laughs> bro, whenever he turned the ball over, yo, hey man. Yo, it wasn't his fault. You know, there's somebody cutting man, man. It was man. It was so much for like just fans who follow the team day by day yeah. that to just have to deal with. And Again, I don't want to like shit all the way on Russ because after he got traded, he did play better. But in terms of, of his on-court play, he had his flaws. And I'm not going to lie to you because I like to keep things a thousand percent. You heard my takes on the team. I felt like I wouldn't have made a trade if it wasn't there, right? Yeah. So, so like coming in, like after that start, you guys start to really kick it up. Um, you somehow fleece. I don't know how you guys did this, by the way, because... I want to be clear. From my perspective, I'm thinking, okay, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, if you're going to trade those unprotected first-round picks, you got to get, like, value, value, value to yeah. feel like you can contend with the team, right? And, like, there were a lot of packages being thrown out there. Some people wanted Gordon Hayward, who doesn't play basketball. It was a weird thing, right? But I thought coming in, there's no way in hell that the Lakers are going to fleece. And y'all fleet like, I'm sorry. You literally trade a rookie of the year guard in Kendrick Nunn, who was god awful in my opinion, god awful. And you flip him for Rui Hachimura, who, by the way, he was okay in Washington, sure. But on the Lakers, like 60% shoe shooting in the playoffs. That was your first step, right? <laughs> the police didn't stop there. Then you, you're involved in like a three-team trade and you get like four rotational players. You get Westbrook off of the team, the energy, the fans, all that stuff. And you get a completely new look at the trade deadline. Talk to me dating back to the Rui trade, how these yeah. moves made you feel. Yeah, so I'm glad you I, I'm glad you mentioned Rui because Rui gets lost in a lot of this sometimes. He like gets we lost, talk about yeah. we talk about the rush trade, we talk about you know D Lo Bando, but let's go let's let's really go back to the Rui trade, okay? Um, and like if 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 anyone knows me during that time, 
I was Mr. Trade Machine. Like every tweet, every day, he would have every posts day. About- there was a new <laughs> there was a new tweet of a trade that could have worked, right? And 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 to be fair, it was more so to to show fans because you know a lot of fans would DM me. Um, they asked me in spaces, you know, like, well, you know, I know we should make a trade, but like, who's out there? What are the, you know, and it was kind of one of those things for me where it was like, look, let me show you guys, like, let me show you guys that like, we do have, I know we do, we have limited resources, but we have resources to like make these type of moves. And like, I'm not a GM, I'm not in the front office, but it was more so like, look, dude, if I could put these type of deals together and, and, and it makes sense. I think that's something that like look you have a little bit of hope right like have hope i think that was one of the things before all the trade stuff we were just trying to tell people you know in our spaces and the coaches didn't like hey look like i know it's tough right now but i'm seeing things with this team i'm seeing things here and there the defense is there right like the pace isn't too bad like oh wait anthony davis you know if you go if we go back Anthony Davis had a stretch where he looked like a top five player in the league, right? Yeah. Like, and and, and then, you know, and then you go to LeBron James going up to the trade deadline. He was playing out of his mind. He, he to start January, like from, from December, the end of December through January, when Anthony Davis actually went out, LeBron James started playing like a top five, you know, maybe the best player in the league. And so it started to feel like it made more sense to make a trade. And so to go to Rui, um, listen, man, Kyle Kuzma was having a year. Last year was probably Kyle Kuzma's best season. And, you know, Christoph Porzingis also had a career year, right? So I think it was kind of like the writing was on the wall for Rui, who was up for an extension. You already got to pay Kyle Kuzma. So, you know, although Rui also wasn't playing to the same level, like you said, as he wasn't on the Lakers. I mean, his value was diminished, especially going up into that yeah. trade. So it was one of those things where, look, Washington has priorities. They're probably not going to pay Rui Hachimura. So it kind of was, in a way, a salary dump, kind of. I mean, you know, and although although it was just, you know, we were swapping salaries. Kendrick Nunn made $5 million, Rui made $5 million, Um, And obviously, we threw a lot of seconds in. But, like, it was one of those things where... Um, Around the league, Rui wasn't this coveted type of asset, right? So, no. you know, in, in 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 hindsight, yeah, we fleece. But during the time, it that wasn't a clear cut. Oh my goodness! Wow, what did, what just happened? It was more so, okay, okay, buy low and and hope this works out. And it was kind of a you know we kind of kind of bet on yourself a little bit. Rob Palinka did, and you know obviously it paid off, but. The Rui deal at the time, even even like I kind of remember like Lakers fans weren't necessarily like ecstatic about that deal the day it happened. As soon as it happened, I think people kind of had to talk themselves into it. And then once they realized, yeah, we got a six nine wing that can play the four, that can space the floor, that has a mid range game, that like he's kind of tough defensively. He wasn't showing that in Washington, you know. And once he started kind of to get inserted into the lineup. It was like, wait, this guy, you know, he, it might be something. And I remember how it kind of switched. But when that trade happened, gifted, that wasn't that wasn't as as looked at as a, as it is right now. So um, I think I think that needs to be that gets lost a lot, you know, with the Rui stuff, especially because it happened before the big deadline. But Rui Hachimura was not coveted around the league the same way um, 
you would think he was, you know, before before we got him. So hey, um, that's one. I got to keep it a band with you, bro. Okay, for me, I'm not talking about like like casual stuff. For me, I'm like you're telling me that they traded Kendrick Nunn. Who, who, by the way, like no disrespect to Kendrick Nunn, but he was playing some of the worst basketball in his career. Bro, I think he's playing year. overseas now, gifted. I think he's I not think even he's, he's not yeah, even in think, the league right now, people. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, he he yeah. was playing that bad, and and like while I wasn't like gassing Rui, it's like they got they got like a second a second for that. Like like <laughs> first off, he's he's not in the Wizards anymore. You get a younger player that has the size before he got traded said he wanted to go to the lakers goes to the team he wants to go to and more importantly you get bigger because my main issue with this team and this gets into your head coach obviously you know darvin ham the yeah. amount of lineups they just had so many small wingspans and guys that didn't play defense featured in these lineups adding Rui into me automatically is like okay we now have size okay we have a guy that has the frame to play defense has he been great not really, but the situation in DC also hasn't been great. So in my mind, it's like that is that is a steal. Like I'm yeah. like, how did how yeah. do Lakers do that? But yeah. a lot of other people were so depressed and traumatized from how the season was going. They were like, that don't mean really? shit. That don't mean shit. Like, like, really? Like, yeah, oh, we, yeah. we don't care. Yeah. That's not getting us a championship. You know, we don't, then, we, don't, we don't care. And then meanwhile, this dude Rui in the playoffs is just not oh knock God, down man. sniper. Not and, and trust me. We gonna get to the playoffs as a Warriors fan. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to the playoffs. We'll we gonna we gonna we'll say we we'll gonna say that part. But but yeah. So, so yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. you get Rui, and then after that, you make the blockbuster Westbrook trade. Now I want to be clear with this. Okay, I was one of the people. And again, Rome, what I say on spaces, I say in real life. I say on, yeah. on the show. I'm very consistent. Always. Consistent. I, consistent. Yes, I was saying that trading Westbrook to me. If you don't get a package back that can help LeBron James and AD compete at their age, to me, you're letting go of future capital, not sure of what the future will be. Now, yeah. the trade you guys did was literally the perfect thing you could do. And a big part of my rationale for saying they probably shouldn't pull the trigger is the person pulling the trigger was not looked at fondly yeah. as like this matchmaker yeah. guy. Like Rob yeah. Linka yeah. was not looked at to be this king fleecer who can't do no wrong. And he literally proved everybody wrong by making the moves that he made. I mean, you guys get D'Lo, who was playing decent enough basketball for Minnesota. I had questions about his fit there, but for the Lakers, fit in well. You got Beasley, another guy who can space. But more importantly, you added to the defensive identity that, that has won the team championships by getting Vanderbilt in there, who, like instantly changed the defense when he stepped on the floor walk me through your feelings of the russell westbrook trade okay um i want to go back just a little bit because i like what you said about rob Palenka. um sure so going in going into the season um rob Palenka got an extension uh he got a four-year extension and it aligned with darvin ham when we when we when we signed darvin ham and it was literally like under wraps like like Genie Bus came out and was like, I don't know who leaked, you know, the the, the the fact that, you know, we gave him an extension. Like, it was to that point because he got so much scrutiny and he was like, man, like, it was like, dude, Rob can't get deals done. Like, that started to become the narrative, you know, after the initial uh, Westbrook trade. Like, it was like, dude, Rob, what? This guy doesn't know what he's, get this guy out of here. And so for him to get an extension and it kind of be under wraps, like in secret, it was like, dude, what Crazy. is going on? There is some type of collusion there's some type of like 
all the type of conspiracies were coming out. So Rob, I mean, like you said, Rob was under fire before these type of trades, and like obviously with Rui being the start. But um, so let's let's go to the deadline. Let's go a couple days before the deadline. We missed out on Kyrie Irving in the summer. Um, it didn't go through. Joe Sy and Sean Marks were just not. They were. They wasn't going for it. Um, Kyrie Irving demands a trade a couple days before the trade deadline. So every every Laker fan diverts all of their energy and all of the attention back to Kyrie Irving for mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook and whatever filler that we could possibly get, right? And you know that was an ongoing thing for a few days, and and you know. We were covering it a lot. We covered, I think, every single day. I think we were every spacing, day, every day was about the like, topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was an everyday thing. You know, talking about it, all the trade rumors and everything. And, um, you know, I think it was weird because during that time, if you remember, that was also when LeBron James uh, broke the record for uh, all-time points, and so um, that was the game we lost. Anthony Davis didn't have a good game. Russell Westbrook was kind of erratic. Um, Russell Westbrook actually was like arguing on the bench, like with the coaching staff. Like it was a, it was rough. And like that very was emotional, like, yeah. that was a very like, it was like, yes, LeBron got, you know, did something that like we've never seen, but wow, we still suck. You know, it was like, it was like kind of like a, so when you had that, you had the turmoil within the team, you had the Kyrie Irving saga that ended up ending in a Dallas Mavericks swooping in and taking our guy away again, right? Like, that was like, dang, we almost got Kyrie. Like, maybe we can salvage this season with Kyrie. And then he goes to Dallas. So you got to remember, it was like, okay, where do we pivot? Like, where do we go from here? So, you know, and we're trying to outline every possible scenario. Like, maybe, you know, maybe we go back to Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Like, who, what's going to happen? Bro, and and y'all you know, kept talking about that Miles Turner Buddy Heal trade since preseason. Man, and yes. Then, and then that died. So it's like, shit, well, if that's dead, where do we what go? What do we like, do? Right. What do we yeah. do? So, so you know, a trade that no one predicted. I didn't predict. No, I don't think anyone predicted. Nobody. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, who at the time I think was leading the, the league in like three points made or something some, something crazy like that. Like something like Utah. that. Yeah. Um, and then Jared Vanderbilt, who I think, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's funny. Jared Vanderbilt kind of reminds me of like, he's like a very niche player. Um, I know a lot of people started to, you know, man, this guy could really play when he was on the Lakers, but gifted. I know you're, you're a basketball junkie. Like if you knew who Vanderbilt was before, everyone kind of felt, yo, Vanderbilt's one of those guys. You put Vanderbilt on a, on a, good. On a contender. You're gonna, you're he's he's gonna impact the team, right? Like he, I remember, you know, people were, were yo, we should go. I'd trade a first for him. Like I would, I wouldn't, you know, maybe, you know, maybe protecting one. Like, and then he goes I, for he's, a he's second. Like so the craziest part about the trade, the, the craziest part about the trade for me was, okay, so we got off Russell Westbrook's contract. Um, we got shooting, right? Malik Beasley, like I said, he was one of the like he was he literally was like leading the league in in, in three point makes. Um. We got Vanderbilt, who was like, like I said, if you knew who he was, you were kind of happy about that deal. Just, just Beasley and Vanderbilt was like, hey, bro, like, listen, like, I'm not, I'm not mad at this. You got off of not only Russ, but Damian Jones was a, for the Lakers, was a bust. Everyone, 
we were happy with that signing. That was a signing that was like, yo, Damian Jones is going to be a guy. Like, I Damian, Damian Jones, Jones man. He, yeah. I, man, because he, he played on the Lakers previously, and he was amazing for us. Like, And he was only on the team for about, a, I think, a 10-day contract. But people were mad that we didn't retain him. And it was, you know, over Andre Drummond. But that's, that's neither here nor there. So Damian Jones was a buzz. Juan Toscano Anderson's fresh off a title with the Warriors. So we're like, yo, this guy, 3 and D, maybe. He could kind of play make a little bit. I could put him on our best wings. A bust for the yeah. Lakers. Like, what, yeah. Was not good. Was not good. Objectively, was not good for the Lakers. And so you're getting off those type of players too, right? And you're like, wait a second. So we opened it up roster spots. And we're, you know, getting something back that we can use. And like... You know, gifted. One of the, we would always have conversations about whether or not we should trade. And like my argument to you was always like, look, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are playing at a level where you don't need that much. Like you just need competency around them. You just need guys that kind of make sense. You don't need these world beater type dudes. You don't need yeah. another all star. You just need guys you that need are going to play you their role. Cool. And yeah, yeah. 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 And, and it was like, look, we've won a championship with this two star layout where like, yo, these guys are going tit for tat, and like that. They literally, like, were playing, I'm telling you, at different parts of the year, LeBron and AD were, like, taking turns looking like one of the best players in the Anthony world. Anthony Davis like, was a defensive player of the year. Like, I yes. literally have his advanced measures in front of me. They were, like, a plus nine when he was Bro. on the floor. The way that he was elevating those units, it got so bad, Rome. I had Lakers fans telling me Thomas Bryant was a good defender. When he was on the floor with AD, they had the best defense in the league. When AD was off, oh. it was the worst defense. That's yes. the impact of Anthony Davis, yes. for sure. And and, and 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 it changed in the playoffs, but we'll go we'll go to that later. But um man, so like it D'Angelo Russell was like the dark horse where you're like, wait a second. What's something that like as LeBron as as LeBron fans always want? They want a guy that can space the floor. They want a guy that can be a secondary type of creator, type of playmaker, and like wait. He kind of fits that mold in a in a weird way. Like, wait a second. Like, this is kind of like that's a player that we're like, we weren't. No one was like, yo, D'Angelo Russell kind of makes sense to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And so when it happened again, that was another one of those moves similar to Rui, where it was like, wait a second, let's uh let's wear our options here. Like, let's 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 talk ourselves into this because this might actually make sense. And so, you know, obviously the deal goes down, and then all of a sudden. What makes all of this feel like 10 times better was Thomas Bryant has been traded to the Denver Nuggets for Devon Reed. But it wasn't the, the it wasn't the fact that we got Devon Reed. It was the fact that we got second round picks back. And we got a, we got three second rounds, three second round picks back, which I believe was the same amount of second round picks for Rui Hachimura in the first place. So it's we like, essentially it's like what we do it. What we right. do it, right? So all of a sudden it was like, wait a second. So you're telling me we literally got Rui Hachimura for Kendrick Nunn straight up? Like we got we got those picks back. So like that was the move where I was like, wait a second, we just sold high on Thomas Bryant because if you remember Thomas Bryant, he was bro, he was he was who was hooping like he he was hooping, he was having a good year, and it was one of those things where I was like, we can't pay this guy. I remember I remember saying, look, he's really good, we're not gonna be able to pay him next year, and so um, we sold high on him, which was amazing in hindsight. Because he ended up not even being a guy, like, at all. Like, and he complained about season. his role in the Lakers. Then right. he gets straight into a team where he doesn't right. really play. He doesn't even play. Yeah. He's behind Jokic. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be behind AD. But, yeah, I'll play behind Jokic. You know, that's either here or there either. But, so, then that happens, right? So, we're like, okay. So, we just got we just got assets back for someone that we weren't even going to pay 
going into you know the offseason in the first place. And then the Pat Bev trade. Pat Bev gets traded for a player. And listen, although it didn't work out in LA, Mo Bamba is like an enigma. He's like, he reminds me of like, you know, the Bull Bulls, the Cam Reddish, those type of guys where it's like, yeah. they could be so good. They have so much potential. They have all the skills in the world, like a fit. So like you're trading a guy in Pat Bev where the pitchforks were out for like everybody was ready to get rid of Pat. Because <laughs> Pat Bev had the craziest leash I've ever seen of a role player that wasn't very good. Like it was, there was a point where he had one of the lowest true shooting percentages in, in the, the league. league. Yeah. In the yeah. league. In the league. In the bro. league. Like one of the worst starters in in the NBA objectively. Like it during was crazy. his time as a Laker. Bro, it was crazy it was because I swear to God, like before he played for the Lakers, he was a solid people. I'm like, okay, like oh, you, you know what I'm saying? He was a dog in Minnesota. Let's be honest. He was a dog in Minnesota. He, he, was, he was a yeah. guy. He was a yes. guy. He he was a crucial part and of that team. And he comes to Lakers shooting 20% from three. Oh, my God. Three guard lineups, four guard lineups. Like, it was, it was nasty wing. We got him guarding wings. We got him guarding Paul he was George getting cooked, too. He was, he was getting oh cooked, yeah. Oh, God, man. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was. So, so I mean, so we got rid of. So, you got to think about this. Every player. I, I said this. I was saying this, like, in our space after the trades. I was like. Every single player that we had the pitchforks out for got traded. Like Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, Kendrick Nunn, Russell Westbrook, like Pat Beverly. Like all these dudes were like, dude, wait, they're all gone. Like, and and and, and the, the running joke was like, wait, Darvin Ham can't play these guys now. Like Darvin Ham can't put <laughs> he these doesn't guys have in the same least to mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't yeah, have a sure. choice. Like Rob Polink is saving him from himself. Like that was like the, you know, that was the, the ongoing thing. And so you gotta understand, like that the trade deadline was one of those things where we we're just like, wait, bro, we might have something here. And but but also we were our 13th seed. We were five plus games under 500. Like we were not good, right? So like it was, and and if you remember going into after like post going into the All Star and, and you know post deadline, we had to play teams like the Bucks, we had to play the Warriors, we had to play the Mavericks, who just got Kyrie Irving by the way. Like yeah, we had to play the Pelicans, who at the time were better than we were. Like it was like wait. um our schedule is kind of tough, you know? Like, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, it might be too little too late. I'm glad that we made the trades, but it might be too little too late. And the best thing about all of the trades, because if you go player to player, so Rui Hachimura, he was a restricted free agent. So that means that we have his bird rights going forward if he does play, you know, well, which obviously he did. And so it was like, wait, before the before we made all these deals all the players that we had we didn't have any of their bird rights like the like because they're all on minimum contracts or you know what i'm saying so we we were like we were asset strapped like we didn't really have a way to get better next season if we didn't trade for these dudes now because that was one of the things yep. was like we need tradable pieces we need assets we need to be able to re-sign guys Put them on tradable contracts if we need to move them in the future. We didn't even have that type of flexibility. So, like, Rui Hachimura, restricted free agent. Um, D'Angelo Russell, we had his bird rights. Uh, Malik Beasley, he was on a team option the following season. Uh, Mo Bamba was on a team option the following season. Um, Vanderbilt, we literally, he was also on, an, uh, uh, he was on an option, but like, obviously we were going to retain him. And he was on, he's on one of the best contracts in the yeah. NBA right now. I think he makes $4 million this season. Like, 
and 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 he's a starter for most of the year for us. So like, and that's why you guys the- had such a productive trade line because what yeah. you did was you not only gave yourself an opportunity to be able to win something potentially with the current roster for the year, but you also have a pathway that leads you to f- flexibility exactly in the future. Like doing and, both moves at the same time was crazy. And, and, and let's be real. And let's be real. All the trades before this stuff happened were two unprotected first, two unprotected first, two unprotected first. We got all of that. All of those. It was it was one one protected first. It was a top four protected pick. We still have one of our first like that we were supposed to trade in the um, Miles Buddy deal or Kyrie deal. So we still have that first right now. And like we 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 traded seconds, but we got seconds back. So it was like bro, we did all that for essentially. A protected first in a couple seconds and then it was like okay wait a how do we pull this off like that's where it kind of was like we got guys bird rights we can retain these dudes if they play well like what is going on you know we went from no future to like wait we have like some of the most flexibility in the league now if these guys work out if it pans out and that was always the conditional thing it was like we made the moves but it still had to work you know what i'm saying like it still had to it still had to actually be something so yeah man i was Whew. Whew. Yeah, Rob. Hey. Shout out to Rob Polinka, bro. <laughs> Shout out bro, to Rob Polinka, I, bro. I just like I refuse to have any revision history because I'm telling you, I thought Rob Polinka was a terrorist. I think I can say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bro. think Rob Polinka was a like <laughs> him, him getting considered 2026. I'm like, this this is just in, insane <laughs> mismanagement. Terrible, and then he comes out here and has the biggest 180 of like any GM I've seen in a single season with yeah. these moves. But yeah. I do have a great transition point for a name that we haven't talked about who throughout the year really upped his stock and value as a player and, and was probably like your top three consistent player for the entire Absolutely. season we gotta Absolutely. speak on ar-15 austin reeves man this man especially after the trade deadline like his decision making on the floor was really really valid sure but the way that he was able to take the ball from the three-point line get to the free throw line make the right uh, corner passes and play off ball with lebron james and anthony davis the fit was absolutely perfect and he upped his level of play in the playoffs as well talk to me about your overall thoughts about austin reeves play after they trade deadline to you um so austin reeves man and like you said clearly the third best player in my opinion i thought he was clearly yeah. was the third most impactful player especially in the playoffs but um so austin reeves man i mean even if you go back to last year um his rookie year he just something about him was like wait this guy can kind of play right like he wasn't getting a ton of time but every time he was on the floor you would see something and they and i think that's where it was kind of like like i remember going into the season i was like this guy has to play like he should be even when we had the bad roster, I was like, I think this guy should be like our backup point guard. Because yeah. at the time, I didn't think Russ was coming off the bench. And like, you know, I knew who Dennis was. Like, I knew Kendrick Nunn isn't a point guard. And Patrick Beverly also can kind of play off the ball. So I was like, I think this guy might be good enough to be our backup point guard. And this was like preseason I was saying this. And I don't know if you remember preseason, but he had that move on Steph Curry where he hit the little, the little hezzy. And then, you know, so... Um, Reeves was always one of those guys where you're kind of like, he's he's solid. Is he going to pop? It was kind of, you know? And so um, I think the trade, that was probably, you know, the most underrated part of the trade deadline was 
it opened up so many minutes for him and such opportunity for him to shine. And I think in reality, um, what really did it was LeBron James, you know, unfortunately going down, uh, tearing a tendon in his foot. But, um, you know, when even when, he, when LeBron was there, him, LeBron James and Austin Reeves had a level of synergy. Did. Yeah. Where it was just like, dude, they just know where each other. They know they know they're each other's spots. They can play off each other. Like they bounce off each other well on the court. Like whether LeBron's playmaking and Austin Reeves is moving, or if it's Austin Reeves playmaking and LeBron, whether it's a transition lob, whether Austin Reeves is spotting up. Like it was always like they could just find each other. And like the thing about Austin Reeves that I love so much is that he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And when you even when he does you know sometimes a player might might make a mistake but when he makes a mistake you kind of just like you know i'll give you the benefit of the doubt because i saw what you were trying to do he's like awesome that to try to make mistakes because he, yeah he, he he was so efficient with like his movement stuff like you want him to expand more and be able to have more freedom exactly with him. yeah it's rare it's rare to see a player where you're like he's not getting the ball enough and he's not a star. He's not an all-star. He's not. It's just like get this dude the ball more. Play this guy more minutes. Maybe we should start this guy. And and I think that's something about Austin, where it's like, I honestly, I still feel that way. Even as even as well as he played, uh, going into you know the playoffs and everything, I'm like, he still needs to play more. Like he still can yeah. have a bigger role on the team. And so I think for me, with LeBron going down, um, and honestly, Malik Beasley kind of, kind of. Uh, he kind of fell off, you know, shooting, shooting, shooting the ball efficiency yeah. wise. Um, D'Angelo Russell missed a few games. I don't know if people know this, but I mean, he missed like eight games. I want to say after the trade deadline, which was How honestly was there. Twitter, y'all was yeah. mad as hell. Oh man, oh man, yeah. you know, man. So he was missing games. So Dennis Schroeder, like I said, we know who Dennis is, and Dennis stepped up. But Dennis was kind of one of those guys where it's like. He's not a traditional point guard. He's not the guy that you're like, yeah, he can run a team. You know, he you don't you don't you don't you don't trust him to run the team. So Austin Reeves just had a clear avenue to kind of take over, right? And so, man, to see him just play the way he played, and it's not it's weird because it's not one thing with Austin. I, it's like the efficiency is out of this world. He's shooting, he's shooting almost 50, 40, 90, right? Like, like he's getting to the free throw line. I think he was getting to the line, I think six times a game during the regular season after the trade deadline, which was like one of the best in the league. Like he was getting to the free throw line more than like all-stars, right? And so, you know, and a lot of people were mad about that, but like, if you watched his game, it was like, dude, like it makes sense. Like he's, He's seeking out contact. He's seeking out, you know, he's 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 manipulating, you know, the game. Like he's doing what he yeah. needs to do. And so it was one of those things where it's like he's shooting well. He's absolutely a pick and roll guy. You put him in a pick and roll, something's gonna happen. Whether it's a good pass to to a kick like a kick out, whether he's throwing a lob to Anthony Davis, whether he's scoring in the mid-range, whether he's gets all the way to the rim whether he's getting to the free throw line like he's one of those guys gifted like he's one of those bro where you're like wait you got this guy in the pick and roll you're kind of at his mercy right like it's like i don't you know like he's gonna do whatever whatever the best play is whatever the best time is and so man i mean i could i could i could talk for three hours about austin reeves man he's he was good he's, he's that guy man <laughs> he's, he's that guy for sure yeah ecstatic um, about austin reeves i wanted to bring him up because i feel like the point that you made about wanting to see him do more, I felt that way too. And it's like, especially in the playoffs. And again, we're going to get there. But as a teaser for that, there were so many times, so many times, especially in the conference finals, 
where I, I'm looking in the fourth quarter and, and in the second half of his game, like, why are they not getting Austin the ball more? Because it felt like yeah. anytime he touched the ball, good things happened consistently. Yep. He was just yep. such a high-level player, and I'm rooting for him into the next season as well, considering that now he has an even bigger leash, and now that he's actually paid and signed under contract with your team. But what I got to give your team a lot of credit for, man, is people don't understand, like, even after you made the trade, like you said, did we get better too late? Is it too late to really make up this gap? On top of the fact that AD hurt his foot, so you had to sustain wins yeah. and losses over and over with Bron. Then Bron goes down, and now it's like, how, like, just turn after turn and turn. Y'all had every excuse to not make it, and y'all yeah. found a way to fight, dig, fight, yeah. dig, and you made the playoffs what did it feel like seeing that you guys had clinched it with everything that happened during the regular season um shamelessly bro shamelessly i was just happy to be there right like like and and as a laker fan that's like i don't think there's no shame in that well well it's almost blasphemous to speak that way because you know as a laker fan it's a very you know high standard of we gotta win, right? Like, like I said, when it, when you're a Laker fan, it's championship or bust, bro. Like, it's like get to the get to the finals and win, or I don't care. And so it was one of those things where it's like, you know, the 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 the, the Homer Laker fan in me, I'm like, man, we gotta this job not finish, right? But at the same time, for me, I was like, this team has been through so much. Like, I'm thinking of me as a fan, how much I feel. I'm like, imagine how these guys feel, the guys that have yeah. been here the whole season and and the season before. But we didn't even make the play-in last year. Like, people, bro, we didn't even make the play-in last year. So, to get to, and, and you know, um, Darvin Ham uh, kind of instilled it in the guys where uh, 0.2, right? It was a 0.2% chance of us to make the playoffs based on how we started the year. You know, going 2-10, and 10, it was like, yeah, we're not going to make the playoffs. Like, matter of fact, we're probably going to be in the lottery. So, it was one of those things where, man, when we, after the playing game, like, when we clinched, bro, like, it was just... We're here, you know. It's like we're here, like, and and it's like we had to play the two seed going into it. So it was like we probably aren't favored to win this, right? Yeah. Um, although, although I actually had a lot of confidence that we could beat the Grizzlies, but still, it was one of those things where it's like we're not supposed to beat the Grizzlies. And so, man, I was happy. I was just happy to be there, man. Bro, <laughs> see, bro, post deadline. You gotta, bro, gifted. You gotta remember, bro. I remember what you talks about, bro. bro. I literally remember when AD hurt his foot and my mom like, oh, they're cooked. Like, how how are they going to survive without Anthony Davis on the court? And LeBron just picked up his game to a whole other level to, like, floor raise you guys to get there. Then so, LeBron goes down and it's like, ah, <laughs> like, come on. So, so let's, 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 let's quickly, we'll speed run post deadline. Um, All-Star breaks over. We actually... Let's go. Let's let's go before. So we played the Warriors. I think that was the first game where we had our guys. LeBron didn't play. Um, I think he was resting, getting ready for All Star and stuff. So he wasn't playing. But it was D'Angelo Russell. It was Vando. Um, Bees. These guys played. Like D'Lo started. It was like D'Lo, Dennis. Uh, was, like was a starting line. They, like I think Rui might have been in there. AD. So it was it was like it's kind of wonky actually. But well, Dennis bust our ass that game. Yeah, I Dennis. That Dennis game. Bro, but we I remember. We ended up winning that game, and it was like, okay, we probably shouldn't have won this game, right? It was like, ah, we probably shouldn't have won this game. We won this game. I think we played, I want to say after, was it the Pelicans? It might have been the Pelicans. I remember who we played. 
It might have been the Pelicans. Actually, you know what? Um, I don't think it was the Pelicans. I think we played the Pelicans after All-Star break, after, because LeBron was LeBron played that game. So, so we played, let's, let's, after All-Star. So now we're playing the Pelicans, right? LeBron James, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Davis debut, like, smacked him, bro. Beat, beat him bad. Like, it was like, oh, oh, like, we're not the same team that we were <laughs> two weeks ago. Like, we're, we're a different team. And so that was one of those things where I was like, okay, okay, we're building. I think um, we played you guys again. We played the Warriors again. Beat them bad. Beat them bad. I think Malik Beasley had 20 plus that game. Like, was just on a burner. And um, uh, D'Lo goes down, I think, the ga that game. Uh, I think uh, that's when Dante, he stepped on Dante's foot and, you know, he yeah. out for a few games. So now we're at the point where it's like, okay, we're winning games, bro. Like, I think we're 3 0, like, after the deadline, um, or 2 0. And then so we played the Dallas Mavericks. And this to me was a turning point. This was a turning point. We that played the Dallas game. Mavericks. We were getting smoked, bro. We could not buy a shot. We were missing everything. Dilo was out because of the, the he stepped on Dante's foot. Dilo was out. So I think Dennis was, I want to say Dennis was starting. Um, and we were down like 20 plus 26 27 like right like it was it was nasty like it was in the we fight. were getting beat yeah we, we were bad yeah beat. and jared vanderbilt that was the jared vanderbilt game like he guarded luca shut him shut his water off like he's going crazy lebron james is willing the team anthony davis wakes up he's dominant like you can't no one's stopping him on the like it got crazy like and lebron gets hurt but it was weird because LeBron got hurt. You know, the famous, I heard a pop. I heard a pop, you know? Yeah. And I think at that point, we were just kind of like, okay, what's going to happen, LeBron? Tie your shoe tighter and, and let's get back out there because that's LeBron James, right? Like, whenever LeBron gets hurt, okay, man, just tie your shoe. you would be all right. Um, and so it was one of those things where he stayed on the floor and he played and he was, he was still good. And so we were like, okay, maybe it's not that bad, you know? You know, whatever. So obviously we ended up winning that game, and that was a huge point in the season. Like it was like, dang, that was we needed that win because like we were in the we were in the playing race with the Mavericks. So it was like, yo, let's let's win this game. You know, that was we a won very, that game, bro. That was a very big win because mm -hmm. what people don't remember is with with like the playoff race at, at that point, tiebreakers were everything. So like, everything. losing in Dallas is the difference between being like the sixty or the twelve. It's all, yes. all for one game. Yeah, I beating that. beating it was beating Dallas, beating the Warriors. Beating the Pelican, the Pelicans were huge. Pelicans was, they, was they had our yeah. pick. They had our pick. They were kind of skidding. So we we're like, yeah, we, we got to beat the Pelicans, yeah. beat them, beat the Warriors, beat the Mavericks. So we were like, okay, wait a second, you know. And then all of a sudden, the LeBron James news comes out and he's gone. And so it was like, yeah, we're probably done. Like I think at that point, I was like, we're probably done because now every game is essentially a playoff game, and our schedule isn't like the easiest schedule in the world. Um, but man, that's when Austin Reeves showed up and and, and just we kind of went on a tear. And uh, but there was moments, man. I don't know if you remember, but Maxi Kleber hits a game winner over. I will Anthony never Davis. forget watching that game. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I, that I think I think and you have to remember before that, um we sat Anthony Davis, load management, like sat him against uh, we, so we the, came Rock, off the Rockets, right? Versus the Rockets. So we yeah. lose, so we so we beat the Pelicans that week. The first I think it was like Monday. We beat the Pelicans. Wednesday, we lose to the Rockets, which was a very demoralizing loss because we we're like, we need every win we could get, and we're sitting AD, and we lost the game because AD didn't play. And so that was like, okay, well, that's terrible. Now it's a must win in Dallas. Like We have to beat Dallas. 
and then obviously we lose Dallas in the way we lost that game. And I think at that point the, the fan base was kind of done. It was like, yeah, this season's over. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not gonna get there. You know, like we're not. Game winning streak. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We don't know when Braun's coming back. We lost two games we weren't supposed to lose. You know, and then even after we started, we kept winning games. It was like we're probably still done. You know, and so um, obviously LeBron comes back quick, and then you know. The, the rest is history in regards to making the play in and winning and so that point so i just wanted to you know get to that because there was a lot that get got into the season where we kind of thought it was done we thought it was over we didn't think we were going to get to this point so um, i'm glad that we were able to for sure for yeah sure. i just wanted to like basically walk you through the entire season because what people like have to understand like i understand having high expectations but to me, once the season starts and you're seeing things in front of you, expectations can shift rapidly. Like, okay, yeah. sure. I, in my brain, thought if the coach does X, Y, or Z with Russ, this can happen. But then when I'm evaluating and I'm saying, well, this just isn't going to happen. This is not realistic. And Russ is also playing bad. It changes a lot of dynamics for what the expectations of the team is. And for you guys to just consistently fight. <laughs> no LeBron, we're going to fight. No AD, we're going to fight. As many issues as I had with Darvin Ham in those small ball lineups, like he played a lineup that had a negative 18 net rating at one point. But the fact that he was that vocal leader who was like, listen, we're going to fight 0.2, 0.2, 0 .2, and y'all did fight. That means something. But now yeah. we're coming to the playoffs, bro. And, and this is where we really got to give the Lakers their flowers. So coming in, a lot of people were unsure about if they could beat Memphis me personally, I don't know if, if I ever voiced this, but I felt like pretty confident that you guys could. Their front court mm -hmm. to me wasn't the same. I needed to see another year of JJJ in the playoffs in terms of like him not being in foul trouble. And, and I feel like yeah. a lot of people were just disrespecting what Anthony Davis had accomplished during the regular season. I felt like that Memphis team was a young team, sure, but we know about Brooks, who is one of the most inefficient jump shooters. He's going to shoot them out the game. I saw it the year my team won the title, shot yeah, them out of the yeah. game. And y'all yeah. just came in, and Anthony Davis had some of the most dominant. Like, word, words cannot describe the defense he played in that series. I'm pretty sure, like, his first game, he had, like, seven or eight blocks. It was crazy to watch. And you guys won that off of, like, sheer grit, but also Rui Hachimura playing out of his body clean. I remember after the first game, he not going to do this again, and he did. <laughs> It was crazy. Yeah, I, I think, I think he had 29 crazy. points. I think he had 29 wow, points. Bro. Shot insane from three. And Desmond Bain at post game is like, yeah, he, he won't do it. Let's see it again. And Did that shit again. Austin <laughs> Reese yeah. game one. Austin Reese game one had like 20 p's. And the craziest part about game one wasn't the fact that you know Rui and Austin went crazy. It was, bro, we're running offense through Austin Reeves. Like D'Lo's on the court. Yeah. LeBron James on the court. Anthony Davis on the court. And we're putting. Austin Reeves in ball screens and playing off whatever decision he's gonna make, which was he was making all the right ones. But like, think about that for a second. When's the la like? When's the last time a LeBron-led team is with Anthony Davis as his partner, like playing off of a dude that was undrafted in year two of his career, like who was literally coming off the bench like a month ago? Like it was, it was like one of those moments where you're like. You know that what what the hell is going on? Like, he helped LeBron Hunter so Merlin? much too because he he like me personally, right? Reeves' impact on the team more than anything is he was giving LeBron James time on the court 
to yeah. rest. He's older yeah. to like get through four quarters of the game. I just mm-hmm. wish they went to it more because contrary to probably believe a lot of people have these weird narratives. And by the way, these people are people who don't really watch basketball, but they have these weird yeah. narratives that LeBron can't play off the ball. LeBron's played off the ball well next to Reeves. And, you know, sidebar, obviously, I hope next season that continues on because Reeves is showing why he could fit well. But, yeah, y'all dominated Memphis, man. Um, it was, like, it was just domination, but the defensive identity and principles for a team that was just figuring things out after the trade deadline, like, that that was one of the most dominant performances I've seen from a player in the playoffs period for me. Because, mm-hmm. bro, seven blocks in a game, and, like, I hate saying blocks because... It's not the stat that like shocks me, but it's like the eye test of watching it. How did yeah. you feel watching that for you? Um, dude, it, you know, and it was it, the craziest thing for me was like I, I was telling people straight up. I was like, dude, like I know he's I, th- I think he was only averaging like 20, 22 points a game. But I'm like, dude, if you guys are watching what he's doing, he could have 10 points. Like it was this was like it was like, dude, they could not score at the rim. Like they could not it to the rim like it was it was just like they, they, there was just nothing like they had nothing and and i think for 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 memphis like that was something they had never seen like you know you had you had a guy like vando who's a six nine wing he's checking john morant right like he's the one that's guarding john morant and so you know you got a guy like austin reeves who's super scrappy he's chasing Desmond Bain, and then you're switching him off, and then now you got Dennis Schroeder chasing Desmond Bain. So like you got someone that's able to kind of stay stay attached to him at all times in the series, and then they don't really have an answer for LeBron James, you know, consistently. They don't really have an answer for Anthony Davis consistently, and then the defense, like you said, because you know as 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 crazy as as crazy as Anthony Davis looked defensively, and I'm talking like dude, I was watching like I thought I was watching Tim Duncan, Hakeem. KG. It, like, it felt like that. Like it, it was like, dude, this guy is on another planet defensively. Like, but, but to say all that, like, LeBron James was playing defense as well. And I thought LeBron yeah, James kind of yes. stepped up. He stepped up in the playoffs. And that, that was one of those things in that series where like he had a crazy he had a couple, you know, crazy sequences. And like there was a game that we won. I think it was game four where he kind of willed us home uh and went into overtime, but I think he had 20 rebounds. LeBron James had 20 rebounds. Yes, 20 rebounds. he hit 20 rebounds in the playoff game. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, so it was one of those things where it was just you know obviously it was a gritty, tough, grinded out series. But I mean, there was just different moments where guys showed up. But yeah, man, I think Davis the defense was otherworldly, like otherworldly. Like it, again, I don't know in the next. I don't know if we're gonna see that like that level because like even in 2020 when we won, like Anthony Davis didn't look like that defensively. He was amazing on all facets of, of, of basketball and offensively he was dominant, but. The defense, I don't know. I don't know, Gifted. I don't know the last time we watched. That was one of the best, one of the best defensive playoff runs probably of the, of the decade. Like, one of the best, for sure. There's yeah, definitely that series there. versus Memphis, he, he like, really dominated. And, again, like, my thing is, like, his switchability and how fast he got to the paint was, was like, he really exposed a flaw because Memphis, to me, was a good team. But I yeah. always felt like their half court offense was very predictable. Oh, they course, weren't yeah. really consistent, especially like after Jog goes down in that series. I just never felt like they were going to be able to get back. And like what made up for that is okay, sure we have half court flaws, but with Adams on the floor, he's going to set screens and help on the rebounding front, and we we are going to just beat you up physically, steal the ball yeah. from you, get out in transition, and y'all shut that off. That's why I mm-hmm. won that series in the fashion that you did to me 
Yeah, but for sure. we now gotta go to the next round. Now listen, listen, <laughs> listen closely. I might clip listen closely, people, okay? As y'all know, I'm a Warriors fan. Okay? Not a Warriors bot, I'm a Warriors fan, right? So for me, coming in, I'm like, okay, we just saw the defense that they played. We ourselves had a crazy series versus the Kings. That shit won seven games. Epic game, you 50, know. 50 burger from 50, Steph. 50. 50 burger from Steph. I'm coming in like, this shit going to be tough. Because I'm already knowing that, like, on this roster, there's not that many guys who can take the ball from the three-point line and apply rim pressure. So I think it's going to be tough. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, we have the spacing to exploit some of their weaknesses. Like, Clay Thompson, Steph, like, these guys are going to be able to do certain things. A Andrew Wiggins was finding his legs. I'm thinking, okay, they're going to be able to really fine-tune these things out. And then when it actually plays out, you can say some of it was the shooting variance, but I've never seen Clay Thompson shoot. Like, Bron left him open in, like, what was it, game five or game six? I forgot. I think was game six. Was that yeah. game six? I think it might have been game six. That might have been six. Like, like he, he literally had to play with, like, he faked towards, like, Clay and, like, <laughs> bro. 40% true shooting. It was tough. It was tough. But was tough. but I got to give the Lakers credit because Anthony Davis in that series, more than any, like, like the impact in terms of switching out onto, like, Steph, them trying to make Steph see multiple, multiple bodies and just his presence there was good. I felt like the numbers are not going to show it offensively, but they were trying to tax Anthony Davis pretty much every play because mm -hmm. the motion offense died. So it came to a point where Steph basically had the ball and he was literally initiating pick and rolls all the time. And, and yeah, on ball, on ball Steph. Yes. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off, right? Because what, what people often say is, Draymond's the real point guard. Steph's really like 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 a two guard. But if you're watching the games in the most high level yeah. moments, do Steph, you understand basketball? It's, it's Steph like, play play by play is initiating everything, and Anthony Davis is being pulled out over and over and over. And I got to give him credit because for someone at that size to be taxed defensively every single possession and still be that effective like he was, you got to get that credit. But yeah, Rui Hachimura was tremendous in that series too. Just talk to me about your thoughts headed into the matchup and what happened in the second round against my oh, team. Oh, man. Oh, man. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of history behind LeBron James and, and the Warriors in general. You know, not really yeah. necessarily the Lakers and the Warriors, but when LeBron James on your team, you know what I'm saying, you're tied to that. So, you know, going into it, there's always, you know, it's always back and forth between Lakers Warriors nowadays. And so, you know, we're coming off, Hey, look, man, we just beat the crap out of the, the out of the Grizzlies, bro. Like that game six, we beat them by 40. We gave them 40. You know what I'm saying? We're like, yo, we, we're, we're resting. We're watching you and the Sacramento Kings beat the crap out of each other. Like we're we're like, OK, let's see what's going to happen. You know, and I was obviously, so tight, you know, dog. Steph, Steph, Steph went nuclear. And obviously and honestly, honestly uh, Kevon Looney went crazy as well. People don't talk. He had one of the best game sevens. Yeah, he was he was he was like that. So three um, games, three was, games with twenty rebounds, dog. Like it was bro, yeah, it was amazing, crazy. amazing, amazing. So um, uh, it was funny because I was like, listen, bro, um, they you know, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, the offense was crazy, but I was just thinking in my head like the the Warriors, they haven't seen what they're about to see versus us because. Anthony Davis is not Sabonis, right? Like that was that was like my mantra the whole playoff series against the Warriors. This ain't Sabonis. Like, I would actually, tweet. Sabonis, I would actually yeah. tweet. I would actually tweet. This ain't Sabonis. And because it's like 
Anthony Davis is such a dynamic player, you know, on both ends, you know, obviously offensively, but the defense is where it's like, you know, it's one. I think, I think for me, one, when I was like, yo, the Lakers are serious, like it was game one because I mean, we won. And that was like, you don't beat the Warriors at home in a game. You don't, you don't, you don't beat the Warriors. You don't beat them at the chase center in the the game, but that's not a thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a, that's not, that's not normal. And I think that for me was one of those things where I was like, dang, like just seeing, just seeing the way we would throw so many different guys at Steph Curry, right? Like whether it was Vando for a couple of possessions, whether it's Austin Reeves for a couple of possessions, whether it's Dennis Schroeder for a couple of possessions, whether it's this AD, look, you got to just guard him straight up. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? Or, um, yeah, Draymond, um, you're, you're, you're not important to us right now, right? Like just the way it was the mind games. I feel like there were so many mind games in that series on both ends because, um, the way Steve Kerr kept switching his lineups up, right? Like he went from uh, GP two and and Jamichael Green, like Kevon Looney getting benched. You got bro, Kevon Looney literally. Yeah. We just talked about it. He was amazing against the Kings. For him to get benched, like it was like, yo, what's going on? And it's and, all because of what Ant Davis was doing. Because again, like yeah. the thing that I said coming in is the right. Like this is not going to be Demontis because Anthony Davis is faster on his feet. And can actually shoot perimeter shots at a higher yeah. level than what yeah. Sabonis could. And as good as Kevon Looney is, he's a non-spacer. So on the offensive end, you don't have to, to respect him. And defensively, if Anthony Davis can target him, that's a weaker link you now yeah. have to play. Yeah, AD when AD's catching, AD's catching the ball, he's facing up. He wants Kevon Looney on him. You know what I'm saying? Like he'd rather have Kevon Looney as opposed to like a Draymond Green. And so it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of we're kind of exploiting the things that works for the Warriors. Like, you know, and I think that's always the biggest thing when you can exploit those things. And so it was one of those one of those scenarios where um, I kind of saw Steve Kerr and it felt like it kind of felt almost like he was I don't want to say panicking, but like when you change your lineup every game going into like each game that's a very telltale sign in a playoff series where you know because i mean it happened to us it eventually happened to us against denver where we we kept switching the lineup and it's like when you switch the lineup too much like you know what i'm you saying like results you try yeah, hard yeah, to find like, you're, shit you're, like you're, you're, yeah, yeah you're throwing you're throwing it out the wall until it yeah. sticks right and so it's one of those things where i kind of watched that and more importantly you know everyone talks about when you play the warriors it's like everyone is a nightmare whether it's Andrew Wiggins who might have a crazy game, whether it's honestly Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, um, Dante DiVincenzo scares me. Uh, um, uh, uh, anyone, Gary Payton had a game where I think he had 20 points against us in the, in the series. So like you're kind of everyone's mercy. But the thing about the Warriors is that I don't think that they played a team like the way the Lakers were constructed, where Austin Reeves wants to go take Steph Curry off the dribble. Right, like D'Angelo Russell, when he's in his mode, he wants to go. He wants to go, you know, score. Um, and obviously, I don't think there was ever really an answer for LeBron James or Anthony Davis. But like, it's one of those things where they got to guard us too, you know. And I think that's one of those series where it was like, I think we just we just had too much for the Warriors overall. And I don't think we knew that at the time, like going into the series. I don't think it felt like that. Like, yeah, we're just overmatched for the Warriors. But obviously, by Game Six, it was like. You know, shooting variants obviously played a factor, but like some of it was just like, dang, bro. I'm seeing a lot of correction on Steve Kerr's end that I'm not seeing from Darvin Ham in the same way. 
you know, and and that's always a tell, that's always a telltale sign in a playoff series. If you really watch basketball and you see that, you see the the chess match between the coaches, and that's like one of those things where I was like, you know, I I, I gained a lot of trust for Darvin Ham in that series because I was like. Yeah. Steve Kerr is going to smoke this guy. Like, I'm like, Steve Kerr is going to out Like, LeBron and AD are going to have to will us to beat the Warriors. And I don't think that was the case as much as I thought it was going to be just because of, you know, Darvin Ham, you know, being a lot more calculated than I expected him to be. So, um, I mean, the series was, it was a dog fight. I think that, I still think, Gifted, I think that was probably the best series in the Western Conference, honestly. Like, I, I really do. Like, I think... Obviously, obviously, you know, the Kings, you guys going seven with the Kings was amazing. I thought that was an amazing series, but just there's so much history behind it. There's so much legacy behind Warriors Lakers in, in this scenario. And I mean, guys came to play, man. Steph was Steph was doing some things where I'm just like, how do you this guy is just what do you do? You know, like, what do you do? Like just seeing him will the team the way he will the team, whether it was, you know, him doing his typical stuff where he's letting kind of Draymond be the guy to to at least initiate some stuff or he's on ball and dominant dude. He was dom He played. He played Vando off the floor. Honestly, he played Vando off the floor. Like Vando's minutes went down every single game. Every time, every time. In the, in, yeah. in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Like that. And, and like Steph Curry was like, nah. Like, I'm not letting this dude, he's not taking me out of my game, right? And, like, although the efficiency was, you know, lower, um, even for Steph, like, he just, his assist went up. Like, he was, the play, we saw his level of playmaking just get to another level that I think we all know he could always get to. But just seeing it, you're like, this dude has 12 assists. Like, what the hell do we do, you know? Like, or the way, I, I love the way the Warriors kind of manipulated the, the Lakers in the short roll where, yeah, Draymond had a game. I think it was when, you, when we went back to chase center. And one game, yeah, I think 20-point. Yeah, I think it was game yeah. five. Game, yeah, five, game five, he, he balled out. And um, Gary Payton in the short roll, he was underrated in the short roll where he he started playing out of his mind. You know what I'm saying? He was he started, you know, kind of dominating us a little bit. So um, there was just a lot. It was just I love watching the tacticality. I love the tactical stuff. Like, I love yeah, seeing, sure. like, okay, well, you can't just have – uh, AD guard the five man because he's just going to try and switch out. Steph's just going to switch out and he's going to have to guard him so there's going to be no rim protection. Like, I like that. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, okay, let's put AD let's shade him over here and have him guard someone else and put Vando on the five so when they're switching off they're switching off on Vando so AD can still protect the rim. You know, like those type of elements of basketball in the playoff Absolutely. setting where the game kind of breaks down and slows down and it bogs down into something more than just, you got to make shots. You know, so I, I I love that series. I loved it. Listen, it, was, this, it was amazing. I'm gonna say this much, right? I'm not gonna reveal my full thoughts on that series because this is not a Warriors podcast. Um, <laughs> how I'm doing this stuff is basically the last team I will wrap up with should be like the day before the regular season begins, and that'll mm -hmm. be my team. I want to go to like every team in the East and the West, but but I will say this. Yeah. I will say this, and this might be me leaning towards like my fan side. Slightly, but I'm not gonna lie to you. The pain in my chest seeing how close game I think three or four, I forget which game, right? Four was close. Four, bro. Four, was yeah, close. Oh, four, four. Yeah. The pain in my chest watching that game, seeing both teams struggle, the advantages that Steph was creating through three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, seeing Darvin Ham say, 
they must not know about me. Let me put in Lonnie Walker. And I'm like, Lonnie Walker? And Lonnie start cooking our shit. I'm like, bro, are you, oh, are, man. Are, you are, are we really losing Lonnie Walker? Like, I was, I was so tight in the moment. I was very, very tight. Especially considering, like, like I'm like, all right, fuck it. If you're going to be this way, do this shit against the Denver Nuggets. And I was tight about that. I ain't going to lie. But, yeah, but like, yeah. seeing, seeing his shot making, man. I gotta give my hat off, uh, hat off to the Lakers again. It was a tougher series. I think what really got exposed for Golden State outside of their size is using Draymond and GP2 in the short roll. The only way that can work is if you have another guy who's out there in those corners that yeah. can be a consistent knockdown corner shooter. And we straight yeah. up just didn't really have that as much. But big game for y'all. Y'all win that and y'all go to the conference finals. A 13 seed that everyone counted out wound up in the conference finals against denver Crazy. Crazy. but i'm not gonna lie to you with this denver transition we also can't have no revisionist history all right huh. you didn't say this you didn't say this i know you didn't say this i, I want to be clear Ro yeah, rome did not say this but i remember <laughs> during the regular season there was a lot of conversation about denver are yeah. they frauds is Jokic yeah. only winning the mvp because he's white and he's like you know all those things and mm -hmm. then once we get to the playoffs and they smoked the Suns, a lot of people felt like they would probably beat them or whatever, but they absolutely smoked the Suns. But there were Lakers them. fans during yeah. the regular season, especially after the trade, saying, we want Denver. We want Denver. What were your thoughts about the Denver matchup coming into the conference finals? Ah. Okay, so I love this. is a great question. Um, first of all, uh, first of all, um, there were Lakers fans, not only excited to play denver there were laker fans that wanted to tank our spot in the play <laughs> into denver yes to get bro. to the eight seed so that we would play denver in the first round that's how that's how confident people were in denver uh us being denver so let's not forget that denver was one of those teams where i was like oh they're not for real and it was and it, you know and i think what made it worse honestly gifted was the fact that if you remember the end of the season they kind of gave up. They just were like, we're the one seed. We don't <laughs> really care. They didn't care about the regular season, so, then, yeah. They just, bro, they're losing to, like, the Blazers. They're losing Raptors, to random, Spurs. like, the yeah, right. Rockets. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're losing to everybody. And it was like, oh, these dudes, they're not locked in. Like, they're they're ending their season terribly. Like, this is going to this is gonna go into the playoffs. Like, I remember, I remember personally, me, I was like, hey, dude, the Wolves might make some noise. I'm not, not that they, they're going to beat the Nuggets, but they might, they might take them six, seven games. Like, it might, you know, and I Obviously, it wasn't that that was not the case, but um, going into this, going into that series, um, I I think I was in the minority, but genuinely, I was terrified. And the reason why I was terrified wasn't because of Jokic, because I know what Jokic is. Jokic is the best player in basketball. In my honest opinion, Jokic, I think he solidified himself as the best player in basketball. Uh, this playoff run, I thought he already was, but like, I'm really at that point where I'm like, yeah, he's that guy. Like it's him. Like, uh, sorry, Giannis. <laughs> I love Giannis, but I think Jokic is him. Like he's he is what the league is right now. Like, that's your that's your that's your reference point to what what the best player in basketball is. So um, that's how I feel about Jokic. So I wasn't I wasn't going into the series like man, Jokic's gonna kill us. It was every time i see Jamal Murray in a playoff setting, he looks like a top five point guard in the league every time, and that's. That is what terrified me out going into that series. I'm like, we don't have someone for this guy. Like the same way we had someone for Steph, right? Like where it was like strength in numbers, right? When you guard Steph, it's look, I'm throwing everything at you. Like it's 
Steph and Jamal Murray don't play the same way. So you know, it's it's a it's a different element of. Of Especially when you have Jokic, that you also have exactly. to worry about Exactly. Like, with AD, AD yeah. can't check. AD can't switch off and check Jamal Murray when Jokic exists. So, it was one of those things where I'm like, they're 1-5. They're two best players on their 1-5. And that's where it's like, oh, no. <laughs> you know? Because like, there's games where Jamal Murray... Where there's games where Jokic is chilling and, and Murray's just going crazy, right? And so, that's what scared me. KCP being who he is, right? That scared me. Um... Uh, Mike, Michael Porter Jr., who is honestly very inconsistent, he scared me because I'm like, maybe he just wants to be consistent against us, right? Like, maybe maybe this is a series where, you know, because it, it is a lot of times it's feast or famine with him, but yeah. when it's feast. When it's feast, it's feast. you know, he, he, you're he in trouble. Four three straight or something like that. You know, yeah. Aaron Gordon, who's a stronger guy that can guard a LeBron James, at least at least try and keep up with him or, or keep up with Anthony Davis, you know, in a, in a way that, you know, Kevon Looney's not doing you know, just because Aaron Gordon's lighter on his feet, he can he can he can kind of guard. You know, he can he can guard up a little bit more, like or sorry, guard down a little bit more. Like it's just different with with the Aaron Gordon. So, you know, I, I was just I was kind of worried. I was kind of worried, and I didn't even think about Bruce Brown. Don't even get me started with Bruce. Like I didn't even I wasn't expecting him to be what he was um, in this entire playoff run, but especially against us. So, yeah, going into that series, man. Um, I thought we could win. I, I definitely didn't think we were going to lose the series, um, especially when I get swept. But uh, I, I, I was, I was, I was weary. I was weary, man. That the Nuggets looked like the best team in the league. If you go back, if you, I mean, the two series before, they looked like they were the best team in the basketball, like they did objectively. So I was worried. I was definitely worried about it. Definitely worried. Yeah, for me, um, coming in, I, I picked Denver. I think I had Denver in six. And my thing with Denver is for the entire season, people really, really underestimated them. And I felt like what people yeah. have to remember is Jamal and MPJ were working themselves back to the lineup, to the rotation for the majority of the regular season. And they were still dominating teams regardless. And then Jokic in the playoffs. I mean, the, the level he turned up to uh, against Phoenix, where Devin Booker was literally Michael Jordan for three games. And Jokic was on the other end. Oh, by the way, I'm also putting up... 50 12 and 8 like i'm doing that that's me and like seeing him play at that level and then seeing jamal murray in the conference finals go 50 40 90 like on just dummy efficiency crazy shots like the pace of denver in transition like every time they would get the board go out killing teams in transition over and over and over and in that series y'all played what was funny is i feel like both teams struggled with transition defense Denver got out y'all got out the difference maker though was the shot making I mean they just made consistent like fuck you like tough tough like tough shot like Jokic was taking shots with five seconds down the clock sambar shuffle (laughs) you know Larry Bird has shots gifted gifted I'm talking one second on the shot clock contested one foot fading three yes. in Anthony Davis' face. Like, you want to talk about shooting variants? You want to talk about shooting variants? Like, the Warriors <laughs> yeah. shooting variants? You're like, dang, the Warriors didn't shoot too well against against the Lakers. You go to the Nuggets, they shot <laughs> un, They shot better against us than they did against any other team in the playoffs. Unbelievable, I'm, I'm yeah. watching KCP take sidestep threes 
um, Lonnie Walker, literally Bruce carrying Brown. the lineups without Jokic. But like Bro. KCP was on the floor hitting threes, where they got Jokic and Murray sometimes on the bench. And KCP, we, just, we couldn't I take got, leads. We couldn't take a lead when, yeah. when Jokic sat. We couldn't. Yeah. We, we like lost the lead more when Jokic sat. It was man. Yeah. Oh my God. Shooting variance. You want to talk about shooting variance? Yeah. Wow. Wow. A lot of those players who got traded for in this series, I think outside of maybe Rui. Um, a lot of them just became un- unplayable. Like, D'Lo yeah. was so bad. And, like, I do want to say this. I kind of wish y'all didn't get D'Lo. I feel like Mike Conley would have fit that you team think a lot been, better. You think Mike would have been better? Bro, the veteran experience, the, the spacing, the passing, and him not throwing up all over himself. D'Lo did that yeah. again. But, but just seeing all those guys kind of revert. And the saddest part is, like, for what Anthony Davis was in these playoffs, going up against Jokic, like Jokic was just dominating him. And it's yeah, like, man. it's crazy because we saw the type of defender Anthony Davis was and Jokic was just getting whatever. It didn't matter. Yeah. No, no. Like, yeah. it exposed a lot of flaws. And then in that final game, well, no, no, no. Actually, I'm sorry. Before that, the shot making. The biggest example of shot making is when Jamal Murray is like two for 15. I think through three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter he got. I'm like, I'm like reliving it now. I'm reliving backs. it now, bro. I'm yeah. reliving it now. Oh my gosh! It was oh crazy. It was crazy. Oh it like I, I could not believe the shots Jamal Murray was just making consistently, especially in that fourth quarter. But this is where I say the thing I wanted to say. Right. So the biggest thing about this series that bugged me so much is I know they got swept. I'm not gonna be that guy. Has says, oh, but every game was close. My issue is the decision making in terms of either lineup or the effectiveness of these players, where like possessions uh, can change it to where maybe y'all win one of these games. The consistent thing was y'all never had that consistent. And what pissed me off is I was seeing so many plays where Dennis Schroeder in the fourth quarter is taking the ball out of Austin Reeves' hands. Austin is not touching it at all. It's like Bron or or shorter or Anthony Davis and the offense just isn't fighting Reeves but then literally I think in either game one or two the ball finds Austin Reeves he is like three back-to-back threes and they call timeout like it's 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 like the offense kept going away from him and it was so like mind-boggling because to me it's like Reeves being this good on the perimeter especially in that series is a big part of why you guys were able to be in the game regardless of all the flaws you guys made what were the biggest adjustments you think your team should have made in order to have a more contested series, in your opinion, Rome? Um, that's a great question, man. And and like you said, the rotations were so, so frustrating. Um, we started the series off, and it's crazy because, um, you know, uh, so each each series, uh, coaches then we'd always have um, like a breakdown of what we think that we need to do, like to beat this team or what how we should start. And like one of the one of the like caveats that we all every single one of like all of us felt that was necessary was Rui Hachimura has to start right like that was like let's start here like Rui Hachimura should start in this series like he's gonna be a player in this series he's gonna matter because the Nuggets are a big team like they just are their their smallest player um in their starting lineup is literally Jamal Murray who's like a six four five ish big point guard you know what i'm saying like so it's like Rui has to start right like that was like one of the things that needed to happen um and you watch us start the series off in game one with dennis Schroeder, d'angelo russell austin reeves lebron and ad and 
it was just like like i i like we're not gonna win <laughs> like i literally like I, I was like we can't win like we cannot win this way and so obviously you saw what happened like you know we got smoked and uh, we came back in the fourth quarter but the reason why we came back in the fourth quarter is because Rui Hachimura was the one that was in those closing lineups uh, along with Austin Reeves you know having more say on what happens and it was just one of those things where it was like we already started the series off on the wrong foot and the Nuggets were already the better team so when you start to make those type of mistakes it's like it, it, it snowballs right like it's like yeah you can't you you can't be the worst team and then make those mistakes like you're not you're 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 putting yourself in a, that's how teams get swept seriously like that that's literally how teams get swept so it was one of those things where it was like you already didn't and like d'angelo russell was a shell of himself because i thought i thought he was huge in the grizzlies series i think he had 30 in game six he was huge in the warrior series he had a couple a couple Really big games. And he was a straight um, dud pretty much and every then game against them. He literally could not find the basket. Like, it was the playmaking wasn't there. He was getting targeted defensively, like bad. Like, he was getting targeted from everyone. Aaron Gordon was going at him. Michael Porter Jr. was going at him. Bruce Brown was going at him. And I think the worst part about it was that the coach was telling the entire world, yeah, we're going on D'Angelo Russell. Like we're taking him <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, he would come on the postcard and be like, yeah, yeah, and, by the way. Yeah, and it was like, it was like, wait <laughs> yeah. a second, where is this coming from? Like Wait, and it was like, okay, well, shoot, we got to bench D'Lo, but then we kind of were a little stubborn in our ways, and like, I even was stubborn in our ways where I was like, don't bench D'Lo because Mike Malone's saying that we need to, that they're going to try, who cares, like, he had a bad game, and then <laughs> it just kept getting worse, and so that was one of those things where, you know, that was another issue, where it was like, Dennis Schroeder should have never been in a three-guard lineup to start against the Nuggets, that was mistake number one. Mistake number two was D'Angelo Russell leash was way too long in the series in general. Like that probably was a was a problem going into the rest of the series. Um, but one of the things that um, that kind of hurt us uh, initially, we did try to put Anthony Davis on Jokic, and you know, as much as we talk about AD being the best defender in the world, uh, you know, and how he looked. That's not really his type of matchup where, like, I don't think AD's not best suited to guard Jokic, who can He's be at the perimeter. Yeah, yeah, you don't want AD guarding a guy essentially, essentially, essentially a point center. So AD's now point of attack, right? If you look at it that way, he's a point of attack. And it's like, that's not AD. Like, it's the same way when you switching him onto Steph, now AD's the point of attack, right? Like, so it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to put Anthony Davis in a situation where, He's not only getting pulled out to the rim, or uh, pulled out, you know, to the perimeter where he can't protect the rim. We don't have anyone else to protect the rim. LeBron James, Rui Hashimura, those guys aren't protecting the rim. So it was like, it always made more sense. And I think we figured that out towards the end of the series where it was too late, where all of a sudden now I'm watching LeBron James check Jokic. I'm watching Rui Hachimura check Jokic. We even saw Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Check Jokic, where it was like, he plays you know, good minutes too. And, and, you know, hey, crazy. hey, hey, he looked great, but it was crazy. But like, but that was one of those things where it's like you're starting to see, like, we started to adjust, but we made those adjustments when the series was over, right? Like, we made those adjustments where, look, you can make the adjustments now, but Jamal Murray's already averaging 30 points a game, shooting 50, 40, 90. You can make those adjustments now. Jokic is already averaging a triple double, and he's destroying us, right? Like, you you can make those adjustments now, but KCP is having his best series of the playoffs, one of the best series I've ever seen from KCP in a playoff setting. We can, we can adjust now, but I mean, Bruce, Bruce Brown, Brown up. he's here. He's here, and you're not going to stop him. So it was one of those things where, like, 
it was it was too little too late but i think one thing that kind of gets swept under the rug and i'm gonna be honest about it because i'm a laker fan and i watched i watched this and in real time i saw it happen our fourth quarter decision making wasn't great it wasn't and i and and whether or not you want to talk about guys being gas or you know whatever the case was i watched lebron james and anthony davis make the wrong decisions in the fourth quarter and that was one of those things where you know whether or not you could have put the ball in austin reeves hands more whether or not you know should have took the ball out of Dennis Schroeder's hands i watched a lot of mistakes from anthony dude there was a game i want to say i know we were in denver it may have been game two i think it was game two i'm watching lebron james and that three-pointer who shot, yeah who shot 20 percent from three in the playoffs not not in the series in the playoffs i'm watching him shoot threes i'm watching ad who literally did not shoot threes all year ad shooting threes and he's not like, making like the hook shots he like, to take some like time. Yeah. missing mixing gimmies around the rim not being aggressive around the rim and i get it man when you're asked to do what you do defensively and, and do it offensively that's a lot a lot of players uh, you know this, this doesn't get talked about in the nba but a lot of players don't get asked to play both ways, and I'm and I'm not Facts. just talking about the I'm talking about the best players in the world. I'm talking about those guys. Like they don't really get asked all the time to be the best player on both ends, and you know that's something that I think, um, you know, you could say it about honestly about everyone. Like whether you want to talk about Luca, whether you want to talk about Steph, whether you want to talk about Giannis, whether you want to talk about like a lot of times I don't think they get held to that. Yo, you got to be the best player. On both things not just offense you gotta you gotta you gotta carry the defense too and, and so it's one of those things where um you know you can you can give that type of leeway to a guy like anthony davis but what i was seeing was like look man offensively you're not giving me anything like in these four quarters like i don't need you shooting threes i need you attacking the rim because they don't have resistance at the rim right lebron look i know you're tired you've been playmaking and I thought LeBron did a good job of playmaking this series, but he was finding that Jamal Murray switch consistently, and then he exactly, like just yeah, not and then he anymore. just went away from it. Yeah, he would just yeah. go away from it, and like he's not attacking the rim. I'm like, look, I get it, I get, I get it, but you got Jokic shading the rim, like you, you got to go through him, like, and if you're not gonna go through him, someone has to, and I, and no, and there was no one, there was no one. It wasn't, we didn't have a Lonnie Walker game. We didn't have a D-Lo game. We didn't have these other dudes stepping up where it was we like. We had Austin Reed. That's, that's really yeah. it. We had, we had four playable players. It was LeBron yeah. James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, and Rui Hachimura. And that was it. That was it. You know? And so I think there was just so many mistakes, whether you want to talk about Mike Malone thoroughly outcoaching Darvin Ham, whether you want to talk about AD just being too inconsistent, um, honestly, on both ends. And, and a part of it was, you know, the scheme kind of sucked, but – at the same time, AD just he just wasn't good enough. I, I'd yeah. say in 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 the in against Denver and then LeBron James, you know, where he was great, he was great, and he willed he really did will the team, especially Game Four. But I mean, some of the like I said, some of the decision making in the fourth quarter from from our two best players was just it was I was I was kind of mind boggled a little. I was just like, what? This isn't normal, you know. So um, and that's just a sign of a playing a great team, you know. I think I think that just happens when you play the better team. Sometimes you're just outmatched. And I think we were honestly outmatched, but I definitely think we didn't do ourselves any favors. Um, I think that I do. I think in hindsight, we could have won the series. I don't probably not. You know, it's hard to say you could beat a team that swept you. But at the same time, I do think that it could have been a, a way more competitive. I think it could have gone six games. I think it could have gone seven games. But overall, I think Denver was the better team. And, you know, that is what it is. But, 
you know, I say all that to you kind of culminate and say, look, man, like I said, to, to be a team that wasn't even supposed to be in the playoff, we were supposed to be in the lottery to get to the Western Conference Finals. You know, I'm still, I was still very happy with the way, you know, the way things happened. So, yeah. Know. Like, like, listen, I think 2023 was overall a hell of a season. And I think after what we saw Denver do through these rounds, like every year the NBA continues to just add these teams that like add on to the vision of where the NBA is going. And to me, it's like a league that is predicated on versatility, having size at multiple positions and having a strong blend of size and skill. And to me, LA is still a team that projects to still be that for 2024. My yeah. question for you is based off a shout out to Anthony Davis for getting the extension. He will be a Laker through 2028. That was big. What are your expectations headed into this upcoming season? Do you think you guys got significantly better, more of the same, or worse? Where are you at with your Lakers? Um, so Laker Homer incoming. Uh, <laughs> pending a Damian Lillard trade from for, to go to the Miami Heat because I think it's probably on the way. I think it's probably gonna happen. Um, I honestly think the Lakers had the best offseason. Like, and that's including Bradley Beal, Suns, and all the great moves that they made because they made a lot of great moves. But listen, man, you're talking about a team that already went to the Western Conference Finals and they just got better, like objectively. Like you can hate the Lakers all you want, but it's, to me, it's clear as day that they improved as a team. Whether you want to talk about swapping Dennis Schroeder out for a dude that we literally just saw as a starter on a team that was in the finals, like and Gabe Vincent, who's now going to be a backup, you know, who could be a starter, like, you know, to, to give us that type of optionality at the point guard position between him and D'Angelo Russell is amazing to see us swap a guy like Troy Brown, who was solid for a guy like Torian Prince, who like this dude is a career 38% three point shooter, like who was in a very who smack dab in the middle of who he is. You kind of know what you're going to get from him. Like whether you want to talk about um, just us taking the flyer on a guy like Cam Reddish, who obviously has this crazy mystique about him, or we don't know what's going to happen. But um, I mean, I think I think it's about internal develop development, and I think the continuity now is something that Laker fans have not been able to experience since LeBron James has been on the team. And it's not LeBron every James' year fault. Every year been different. Every year we flip. Every single year we flip. Whether you want to talk about the AD trade, whether you want to talk about after we won the title, we flipped that team. Whether you want to talk about the rush trade, whether you want to talk about this year, like we finally have a core that we can see that works. I thought we retained all of our guys on good dollar, but I think Austin Reeves probably has bro. That the was best the biggest in the league. Listen, that that to me, Rome, is why you guys have an argument to have won the offseason because the fact yeah. that San Antonio or all these other teams did not throw a bag at him, yeah. y'all got him for a steal to me. That was a great deal for Austin Reeves, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for what, four years, fifty-six million. Like, that's insane. Like he's making, dude, he's making Grant Williams money. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's crazy. like when you think that, about it that way, crazy. you're just like, what? That's crazy. So um, I thought Rui got a pretty fair deal. I thought you know D'Lo, who I mean, he was making thirty million dollars. Now he's making about eighteen, which is like that's a that's a pay cut. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it is what it is. But I think for for the, from a team aspect, I think it's fair for us. Um, even like the Gabe Vincent signing, I think it's three years, thirty three. So that's one of those things where it's like you know whether or not that's going to be to be determined. But I think. It's a fair deal 
uh, for both sides. So I just like the I like the signings. I thought we improved as a team. Uh, the guys that we got out that that we got rid of, I thought didn't really contribute in the playoffs anyways. And all the guys that did, we kept. You know, and then all the guys we added are playoff level contributors. So I think in that way, like how could you not have gotten better? But most importantly, like there's now we have a guy that we're talking about, Austin Reeves, who right now he's playing for Team USA. Like he's playing, he's gonna be playing alongside a lot of other, you know, great players. And that that only that only helps your confidence, right? Going into an offseason where you know, you already kind of have a lot of confidence because you just had an insane playoff run. So, uh, you know, I think he can improve. I think Max Christie, who we saw dominate the summer league, he was amazing in the summer league. I think he's going to be a guy that like, you know, he's going to be in a rotation now. So um, there's a lot of little storylines going into the Le- to the Lakers, you know, season. Whether you want to talk about AD and LeBron being healthy, finally, AD having a newfound contract, knowing that he's going to be a Laker going forward. I think this is finally that time where, you know, he's it's time you got to be the franchise guy now lebron is we don't know how much time lebron has you're here you're you're gonna be a laker you know what i'm saying so um i think it's his year for him you know to just be that guy to be the guy and i think we kind of saw that a lot you know going into the the playoffs and and in the playoffs but i think now it's like solidified especially with him getting the type of contract he got so i think the sky's the limit man um it's hard to really say how free agent moves are gonna be because the season hasn't started so we don't know like this could all you know blow up and backfire but um just on paper like i mean it's hard to say the lakers didn't have one of the best off seasons um in the entire league for many teams so i mean i'm dude i'm so excited and i'm at peace man it's not it's not the turmoil it was with Kyrie Irving, right? With Russell Westbrook, where you're like, you don't know what's gonna happen. You don't know who's yeah. getting traded now. You feel like now you we're know what to just going to it. Exactly, exactly. So I'm happy, man. Sky's the limit. Seriously, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, bro. I just listen. I could, just, I could just feel the happiness radiating through my <laughs> computer monitor right here. And I want you to know, I'm, I, I'm so very happy to have Chris Paul on my team for thirty million. Like, hey, the, the levels of joy that that gives me, Rome. Oh, I, I just cannot wait to start watching basketball, man. I can't. I can't Ooh, wait. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm not going to get into it until the, the last episode of the offseason yeah. where we'll get to my team. But all in all, man, um, shout out to having you on the podcast. Uh, I've known Rome for some you know, great time. Appreciate Phenomenal Lakers it. fan. We went through a, 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 a big, probably the biggest deep dive I've had of any team so far. We're at an hour and 34 on the recording. Yeah, oh, <laughs> like an, oh, hour, an hour and 34. Oh, I'm going to edit this stuff. It'll be out probably next week, Ron. But for you, I want to give you the floor to promote Coaches Den, some things you got going on. And, and overall, how did you feel about this episode of Gifted Hoops? Go right ahead, Ron. Um, well, I'll start first with just this. Um, so it's weird, man, to see the progression have where you got into and and where I've gotten to just in, in the sense of like, People got to understand, like me and Gifted literally started as dudes that would just like hop in someone else's space and just talk ball, just talk talk about all the teams. Like it wasn't agendas. It wasn't. It was just we're just dudes talking about basketball because we both like basketball. And to see like what has grown from it and like the platform from both of us, how it's just it's beautiful, bro. And, And I just want you to know, I'm man, I'm always rooting for you. You always have my support. I'm very proud of everything you've done. And like I said, like it truly is an honor to just to do this. Cause it's like, 
this is imagine us doing this two years ago, bro. Like you wouldn't Crazy. you wouldn't think you wouldn't think it'd be like this. So um it's it's amazing, bro. It's a blessing. Like I'm seriously like I'm happy and and, and I mean dang an hour th- I didn't even know that, bro. It's, that's why. I think it's because me, me and Gifted just are just who's naturally. Yeah, <laughs> like we just talk, yeah. bro. We we talk, we talk. So um I told you I told you before like this is gonna be fun. Like I know it's gonna be fun. So um yeah, I'm just I'm just very, 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 very. I'm, I'm a fan, bro. I just want you to know that. Like, I'm actually a fan. Like, I'm genuinely a fan. So, um, very excited, very excited for what's to come for you as well. So, um, as for as for us, though, you know, uh, Coach Rome on Twitter, uh, coaches Dan. You know, we're we're just getting ready. I think right now it's cool. It's a dead period, so we can kind of just relax a little and yeah. we get the little news here and there and, and kind of you know get right for the next season. Um, but you know we're still going to be going heavy with the spaces. Um, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do in regards to um, kind of you know going deeper than what just spaces is. Um, I'm thinking I just got authorized to do like uh, playback, so I might be doing playback during the season Dumb, so I can yeah. watch games with with, with 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 people. So like uh, everybody can watch games with us. Um, I'm definitely thinking about going that route. So we'll see. Um, definitely just been talking with uh, shout to Shub OVO Lake Show. Uh, Coach Xavier, Coach James, biggest Braun fan um, oh, on Twitter. Be in the description uh, too. Yeah, yeah, man. All, all my, all my guys. Just shout out my brother, seriously. And uh, you know, that's something that we built organically. Coaches did. And so, uh, if if it wasn't for guys like Gifted, honestly, I I don't even know if Coaches Den would be a thing. Just because you know, just seeing everybody have their own thing and have their own platform and do things, you know, how they see fit and do things their way. I think it is it's inspiring. So. Uh, yeah, man, Coach's Den is, is in full effect. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep uh, pushing out as much content as we can and, you know, feeding the streets. That's how we say it. Uh, we feed the streets. The street, so, yeah. so uh, yeah, man, you know, just stay tuned, man. Uh, stay tuned. You know, we're always, we're always there. You know, we're always on we're always on Twitter. We're always doing our thing. So, uh, yeah, man, yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Seriously, though, Gifted, like, take a step back, bro. Think about us in 2020, bro. Like seriously, bro, it's crazy, bro. It is it was, crazy, bro. It's crazy to even like honestly reflect on. Like I'm dead ass looking into a camera I purchased over these last two years, and it's like literally, <laughs> I, bro, I only made a Twitter because I was initially a part of a group podcast, and I said, okay, how do we promote this? How do we grow this? How do we make this like bigger? So I'm like, bet I'll make a Twitter, and I randomly just just join the space, and I find Rome. It's like, oh shit. Like, yeah. never been on Twitter before in my life like that, for real. And, and I join, and then I find Rome, and then Julian, and then Dre, and then all these, you know, other people. And, and then we're just talking hoops. Like, literally watching the game, tuning in, talking hoops. Like, some, some natural stuff. Like, this podcast was like an hour <laughs> plus because it's just us talking hoops at, like, the purest root of, of you know. It feels primal, bro. It feels like back in our old yeah, days. Like, yes, it feels like, yes. It feels like back in the old days. It yes. really does. No, and, really and like, does, I'm bro. not going to let Rome undersell what he's doing with Coach's Den because, let me tell you something, man. These dudes were having spaces up from like 9 p.m. EST to where it's like 4 a.m. in Detroit. And I will be in that shit like, yeah, bro. The rim pressure, I'm just not. And it's like 4 a.m. in the morning. And I got work at like, nah, but that's just me. Right? So, so like, big shout out to him. They working really super duper hard. So I'll put all of their descriptions as well. Make sure to tap in to their community on Twitter as well. The links will be there. But I appreciate everybody who made it to like this far in the podcast. I'm pretty sure this is episode 21, I think. So 
we'll see but in the official tagline that'll be there my goal for this is to just stay consistent i'm trying to drop two of these podcasts every single week even during the off season and once we get back to basketball it's going to be up 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 from yeah, there so yeah, big shout out to absolutely a- everyone who tuned into this episode make sure to tap in on youtube uh apple Podcasts, and spotify at gift hoops also big shout out to the uh growth i'm getting i jumped from 500 to a thousand subscribers in the month of july so we appreciate y'all make sure to keep tapping in keep liking and all that stuff it helps us grow and get out there in this algorithm but i'll catch you guys next week for another episode we break well i can't talk for another episode where we'll be breaking down another nba team peace out people have a gun and remember Watch basketball. Get out of the narratives. Peace.